All right, if you'd go with me in your Bible to the book of John, chapter number 15, please, today. The book of John. Gather your thoughts with me today around John, chapter number 15, if you would, please. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, please be in prayer for our youth camp. It's such an important, important time in the lives of our young folk. And uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I love your kids. I, I, I love to see your kids prosper. I love to see your kids advance. I love to see your kids grow in the Lord. And uh, it, it thrills me when I see two young people raised in the Lord. And uh, then they realize that uh, they're the opposite sex. <laughs> and uh, then they begin to do things right and, and um, embrace the principles that... Uh, has been taught them throughout the years from God's word and see them married, see them have families, see them uh, em- embrace the, uh, the Bible and its principle. It, it thrills me to see that. Amen? It does. Honestly, it does. Let me please read for you just one verse. Out of John chapter number 15, please. And I'll read for you. Verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. He owns the vineyard. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. A warning about wandering. All of us have a little wandering in our blood. We all have a tendency to look at how green the grass is on the other side of the fence. Until we get over there and start walking around barefooted and find out what makes grass green. The wise man said in Proverbs 27 and 8, As a bird that wandereth from its nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. The psalmist said, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. We all have a DNA problem. Genetically, we got wandering from in our blood from our forefather, Adam, and his wife, Eve. It's easy to point your finger and say, well, they're backslid. Well, what are you doing judging them, you backslider, you? It's easy to say, uh, wonder why they're not here. 
Why don't you go find out? We all have the tendency to wonder. 1785, Robert Robertson wrote, Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. He said prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. All of us are prone to wonder. Jesus today warns us of the danger of wondering. He said, cause without me. Ye can do nothing. That is so final. Our tendency to wonder many times is out of boredom. We come to church and we just sit there. And God speaks and we just sit there. And pretty soon we've sat there so long the place we're sitting smells just like us. You come and eat spiritually and you come and eat spiritually. You come and eat spiritually and you're just gorging yourself with the food of God, getting fat and miserable spiritually. And then out of pure boredom, you take off and try something new to find out really that without him, you can do nothing. Amen. Now, come on now, help me a little bit because I feel something coming on and I don't want to leave it anywhere. Out of curiosity. Notice in verse 1, Christ is the speaker. He said, I am the true vine. Why would he use that that, that connotation, vine? In the Old Testament, Israel made the boast of them being the vine from which all the blessings of God flowed. In fact, on the coinage in their money, there was a vine on one side of the coinage. It it signified that Israel is the vine from which the blessings of God flowed to all the world. Even at the temple site there, a great huge gold vine was, was decorating the front of the temple. Perhaps Jesus was on his way from the Last Supper and, uh, and the upper room and he passes by the temple or maybe had a coin in his hand. But something said to Jesus, I am not a vine on a coin. I am not a vine in the front of the temple. I am the one and only true vine. If you're hooked up to any other vine, you're going the wrong direction. If you're hooked up to any other vine, if you're plugged in, if you're attached to any other vine, you are destined for destruction. Because without me, you can do nothing. Some of us plugged up to the vine of this old world. 
the, the world of materialism, the world of pleasures, and, I, and we get all of our fulfillment in, the, in these things, and we're, we're looking for happiness, and we, we find happiness temporarily in winning, temporarily in doing, temporarily, but we don't have any joy. We're just happy. And the trouble with happiness, it's always controlled by superficial outward manifestations. We're happy if everything on the outside is okay. But we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory if we're hooked up to the right vine. And may I say to you today that Jesus is the speaker. He says, I am the true vine, the source of all life, the source of all fruit. Hey, if you want your fruit right, you got to be plugged into the right vine. You can't be plugged into a grapevine and hope you get grapefruits. Come on, amen. You can't be plugged up as to dancing with the stars and think you're going to have a hallelujah shouting time. You got to be plugged in the right source. And there's only one source of true spiritual life. And that's the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, listen, he said, in the beginning was the word. Hey, the word, the word. Hey, this is the voice of the word. This is the voice of the one who stepped on the ledge of nothing and spoke. And everything we see came into existence. He's the one who's saying to you and I as Christians, if you want to have joy, if you want to experience love, if you want to have some kind of victory in your life, you need to get plugged in to the right vine. He said, I'm the word. In the beginning was the word. He said, and I became flesh and dwelt among men. This is the creative voice of almighty God who's saying, listen to me. I am the source of life and the source of all fruit in your life. Amen. Notice he said, this is the same voice, bless your heart, that uh, this is the voice of the I am in the book of Exodus. When Moses went to Pharaoh and said, who sent you? He said, just tell him I am sent you. Amen. Not I was, not I will be. I am Hallelujah. who I am. I am not am who I was, and I am not was who I am. I am who I am, and will always be tomorrow am. And yesterday am. I am the eternal am, always present. Thank God that's the vine that we're talking about today. Let me ask you something. Are you attached? Are you attached to the vine? Life-giving vine. Fruit producing line. You say, preacher, how can I know if I'm attached? You'll know. And so will everybody else around you. (laughs) Amen. How do you tell a skunk is a skunk? There is a stink about it. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? A lot of Christians... Stink like skunks. Yes, sir. And claim to be plugged up to a different kind of vine. I am the true vine, Jesus said. He is the speaker, the voice of creation. Listen, not any ordinary voice. 
It's the voice of Joshua's captain of the Lord's host who said to Joshua, take off your shoes, the ground you're standing is holy ground. Would to God we could come to church once again in reverence and absolute awe that God, Jehovah, Jesus is with us. Amen. 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 Notice, Christ is a speaker. Look at verse number uh, three. Christians is addressed as the soil or as the salt. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. Notice in verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That is being saved. That is salvation. Clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Jesus looked at those guys and said, you're no longer walking in darkness. You are clean now. You've been saved. You've been born again. You have been regenerated. And so uh, this is all for you. He is saying to that crowd, you're clean through the word. Ye are the branches. Verse 5. You see, the Bible says in First Peter, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. One time, about 46 years ago, I was introduced to the Roman road. Any of you know where that road comes from? Yes, sir. I heard it one night in my living room there as the soul winner told me there was none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man, he didn't have to describe that much. I was so mean. I'd have to have him cuff myself at night to keep him choking myself to death in my sleep. I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell. I knew, bless your heart. And I just was thrilled to death to realize that all of us were sinners. And he took this book. And he showed me the word of God. And that night I was born again of the precious, inerrant, infallible, eternal word of God. And now I am clean through the word. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to Brother Terry. He's talking to Miss Vicky. He's talking to Miss Jennings. He's not talking to me. And he's really talking to this guy right here and this lady here. Ye are the branches. Ye. Is there anybody here today been saved? Would you say amen? amen. Message is for you. Yes, sir. Message is for you. Ye are the branches. I am the vine. Vital to you is that intimate connection between the vine and the branches. The vine Determines the fruit, not the branch. The branch is not the source of the fruit. The vine is the source of the fruit. We're just avenues by which God hangs the fruit for this old world on our branches. And many times we get bored or curious. And look across the fence at what the world has to offer. Isn't it amazing? All the dope operas. You said they're soap. No, if you're watching them, you're dope. You say, I like them. Wrong fruit. I want to tell you something. It might surprise you, but Ginger and I... Don't always sit down to a table with candelabras and me dressed in my tuxedo to eat. 
Does that surprise you that we don't eat like that all the time? And we don't talk about everybody like they do on the soap opera. If you're living in a fantasy world, whose maker and developer is Hollywood? Wrong kind of fruit is going to be shown on the branches. Huh? So I say to you today, Jesus is the speaker. Christians are the soil. And notice, the crop is the subject. Could I show you? I will, but I've lost my Bible. I'm not getting old. Don't you dare think that I'm getting old. I just ought to hire somebody on the staff to keep up with the book. <laughs> Subject. Fruit. Fruit. The subject is fruit. The husbandman, the owner of the vineyard, the creator of everything, expects fruit. It's as simple as being connected to the true vine. The vine determines the fruit. Now you can say anything you want to, but the fruit manifests who you're plugged into. If there's anger and hurt and sarcasm and thievery and laziness and slothfulness, you can brag about being a Christian all you want to. But you done plugged up to the wrong root. You say, well, I'm a deacon. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself then. You say, I'm a preacher. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Fruit. Can I help you a minute? And these kids recognize the wrong kind of fruit in mom and daddy. The husbandman, the owner of the garden, expects a return for his investment. He sows with the hope and expectation of a crop. Come on. What is he getting out of his investment in you. That's good. He invested his son. His only begotten son. He suffered and died. 
that you might be connected and vitally in union with his son. And if there's no fruit, there's no connection. Because without him, without the vine, the branch dies and withers and is cast into the fire and burned. Could I please warn you about wandering? In today's society, we have cut out church services on Sunday night. And to soothe our conscience, we'll have drive-by, drive-through prayer on Wednesday night. But it's never when the Rangers are playing. You say, I know who you're talking about. I don't give a care who you know I'm talking about. Amen, Amen, Reverend. You know what's wrong with us? We're selfish. It's our time. It's our life. It's my decision. You know what's wrong? Got a little wandering in our blood. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. May I say to you today, we need to watch something very carefully. You said, yeah, that's the clock. I'm watching it. Let me give you something I found in this, would you? It's not real deep, but notice verse 2, an aspiration of hope, an aspiration of hope. In verse number 2, the Bible says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring more fruit. You mean to tell me, now listen, that a Tennessee farm boy who had to be taken to California to get him through school because the school system so bad in California, any dummy can pass. I done failed algebra. We had done painted the pig in the FA department several different colors. You mean to tell me that a fellow who can't even spell valedictorian, you mean to tell me an ignoramus like me, no talent, five foot and a half inch tall, pimples on his face, duck tails in his hair, stands sideways, sticks his tongue out, looks like a zipper. You mean to tell me there's hope of me bearing fruit? Yes, sir. Amen. 
You mean I'm just not destined to a life of nothing? A life of existing? You mean to tell me I can make a difference? You mean to tell me that if I get plugged into the right vine, this introverted, schizophrenic, paranoid country boy can make a difference? You mean I don't have to settle for being a loser? You mean to tell me that I'm not confined to being a convict and that I can be a good daddy? That I can love your kids? Wow. An aspiration of hope. I can bear fruit. Good fruit. Encouraging fruit. Uplifting fruit. Nurturing fruit. Wow. You can too. Plugged into the right vine. There's just no telling. My wife and I, we got a garden. She don't do anything in it. She just claims it. I got to chop all the weeds. and We got a watermelon that probably weighs just a little under 500 pounds. We're not going to eat it. We're just going to see how big it can get. I'm out there at night when she's not watching in certain steroids in this thing. It's growing by leaps and bounds. Now, there's only one problem my wife and I have. We don't know when it's ripe. If we pick it too early, we've blown all the steroids. If we wait, then it ain't nothing but a bunch of mush. But you ought to see it grow while it's plugged up to that vine. Huh? Every once in a while, I just walk out there and look at the garden and say, wow, what a gardener. You think maybe Jesus might do that for you once in a while? Just steps out on the ledge of nothing and points down and says, wow, what a daddy. Wow. An aspiration of hope. Isn't that wonderful? Man, I'm glad. You say, preacher... You have done a great job here in the church. No, uh, I'm just a limb. Plugged into a vine. He's producing the fruit. You get that? 
an aspiration of hope. You say, what time is it? I know you're hoping I'll tell you. Can I leave you this? Secondly, I want to notice the sensation of fear. Verse 5. Sensation. The overwhelming sense of realizing and you come to the end of this life and you discover that you're without him. Wow. Jesus said in verse 5, without me. What a sensation. Jesus said, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in thy name and done many wonderful works? Prophesied in thy name. The Bible said, then Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of iniquity. Now listen, if you don't get anything else, you get this. You determine the tree by its fruit. The fruit reveals whether you're saved or not. Not the words you said at an altar one day. Not the emotional, traumatic experience you had one day. Not a few tears you shed one day. By their fruit, Jesus said, you shall know them. And the sensation, the overwhelming emotional sense of coming to face to face with the fact I got the wrong kind of fruit in my life. Without him. The sensation of fear of being without his presence. Psalm 16, in thy presence is fullness of joy. We say that we're saved and act like we're as miserable as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. We say that we're saved, but we have no joy. Outward circumstances determine whether or not we're happy or not. Hey, I'm just saying to you today, you better be careful because... We can go to church and realize nothing of his presence. We can be saved and sever that intimate relationship. Have you ever heard of backsliding? Have you ever heard of withering? <laughs> you get 73, you'll know the definition of wither. But the sensation of fear to know that you are without his presence, uh, without his provision, without his power, without his peace. Can you imagine with me just a minute being in the fiery furnace and know Jesus? Can you imagine me just a minute going to the doctor's office and he say that it's terminal 
and know Jesus. Can you imagine to live in an economy where you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow and the stock market's gone crazy and our president is even crazier and every other politician is crazier than he is without Jesus. Can you imagine trying to be a daddy without Jesus? Especially teenage daddies without Jesus. Can you imagine trying to please a woman? Without Jesus. Can you women imagine being married to an amen without Jesus? The shudder of fear. Jesus said, without me. Without me. You know what this world would be without him? Hell on earth. You young girls would not be safe anywhere. You young boys would not be safe anywhere. You take the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and Jesus' presence from this place, and you've got a hell on earth. Perverts, weirdos, alcoholics, thieves, robbers, murderers, running loose, doing what they want to, any time they want to. That's what you got without Jesus. You'll have a Cuba. You'll have a Russia. You'll have an Iran, an Iraq, Afghanistan. You say, well, I'll replace Jesus with somebody else. Oh, you'll have a Turkey. You'll have an Egypt. Can you imagine been without Jesus. And yet, many who are saved lives as though Jesus was dead. Never talk to him. Never depend on him. Never yield to him. Never give in to his commands. The sensation of fear without me. And then the desperation of total failure. Nothing. What's your name? Nothing. What do you do? Nothing. What have you accomplished? Nothing. What do you got in your pocket? Nothing. What do you got parked in your garage? Nothing. In fact, I don't have a garage. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Saved, but enjoying the hog pen. Saved and content, eating with the hogs. Saved, but severed. Saved, but separated from Jesus. Saved, and sorry. 
saved and no joy. Saved and no influence. Forgotten. Saved and no fruit. Just a bushy vine. Just a lot of leaves. Just a lot of wood. That's a terrible situation. You know, I discovered something this morning in, in research. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sure makes good illustration. The Father is looking for fruit in our life. Now, an orchard expert has said. Now, I don't know where you'd find an orchard expert unless on uh, maybe one of the talk shows in the morning. <laughs> expert. That means a spurt that I was already spurted. Expert. But an orchard expert says that many times the tree will get so caught up in itself that it produces no fruit but just a lot of wood and a lot of leaves. And the expert says the way that that is ratified is the man who owns the orchard takes a large axe and cuts a large dent in the tree trunk just above the ground. Next year, there'll be fruit on the tree. Do you think God lost his axe when it comes to you? Do you think God don't know just where to hit the trunk? And you wonder why you're going through what you're going through. And you wonder why all the turmoil. And you wonder why all the problem. Hey, look. God wants fruit. Not leaves. Not more wood. Not just words. Not fancy words. God wants fruit. I wonder. To what measure. Would the Lord of the vineyard go to. For you to produce fruit. What sorrow. What heartache. What bad news at the doctor's office. Will God have to. Send you away. That we might bear fruit. The aspiration of hope. The sensation of fear. The desperation of total failure. Verse 6 talks about 
withering. Have you ever seen a Christian just so happy and on fire for God? Then all of a sudden, the smile is gone. Wednesday night service is no longer important. Sunday, well, that's when the Rangers play. And Sunday morning is just out of pure habit. Be careful. That's a sign of withering. Backsliding. Breaking the connection between the true vine. The next stage is that uh, they're cast forth and then they're burned. I close with this. You say, thank you. It's five minutes after the hour. In the text, I see not only aspiration of hope. I not only see sensation of fear. I see desperation of failure. But I see the jubilation of abiding. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hang on. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hang in there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep reading this word. I'm just going to read it every day. And I'm just going to read it every day. And you say, well, preacher, what if you come across some things you don't understand? I'm just going to read it anyhow. You know, I'm just going to abide. I'm just going to hang in there. I'm just going to stay all hooked up. And I'm going to do that through his word. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 7. If you abide in me. You know what abide means? Hang in there. With bulldog tenacity. Do you know a bulldog is built to where when he chomps down, his jaws lock. Did you know that? I I know you knew that. I can tell by the way you're looking. There's a reason why 150-pound St. Bernard's don't run around and jump on 30-pound bulldogs. You do know that, don't you? I mean, I think somebody has some great Danes in our church. Great Danes. Big dogs. Saddle. Get on them, ride them. They can weigh 150, 200 pounds. But they don't want anything to do with a 30-pound pit bulldog. You know, pit bulldog may be walking down the street. All the dogs are barking at that dog. But them dogs are real glad that door's, that gate's locked and they can't get out. <laughs> kind of reminds you of the preacher. He just keeps a walking and the dogs keep a barking. He just keeps walking. The reason they don't jump on bulldogs, because bulldogs don't come off till something comes loose. Bulldogs don't turn loose. Their jaws lock. If you watch some of the hunting programs, when they're using those pit bulldogs to hog hunt, they have a sharp stick pointed. And the only way they can get the dog off the hog is to stick the stick in his jaws and pry his jaws open because they lock. Would to God we had some Baptist with a little bulldog tenacity. 
that would learn how to abide. Not turn loose first time somebody says, is that your nose or are you eating a banana? Wouldn't turn loose if you abided him. Now notice, and my word abide in you. See that? See that? My words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Jubilation in abiding. This morning, and I know I will not offend them, had a phone call just before service started. A joyous voice. Preacher! Yeah, what's going on? Time's a service start. I said, well, preaching at 11, Sunday school at 10. You know who this is? Uh, no, I'm getting old time disease. It's Jim. We'll be there at 11. I hung up and had an old-fashioned shouting, glory, good time. I stayed. Bulldog tenacity. I wonder how many of you quit just before the good news came. I wonder, is his word abiding in you? Are you abiding in his word? Or have you begun to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God. Hey, church ain't enough. You got to have his word. A church ain't enough. Church is part of it, but you got to have his word. The jubilation of abiding. Abide in his word. Notice, abide in his love. Next two verses, abide in his love. Abide in Jesus' love, not your love, not your wife's love. Abide in the love of God, the love that sent Jesus to die on the cross, the love that caused Jesus to go to the cross, that kind of love. Stay in that kind of love, and you'll bear fruit as sure as the world. Hmm? Little girl got on the ward for the most beautiful flower at a at a garden show. And they asked the little girl, where did you raise the flower? She said, we raised it in an attic in a little broken jar. Well, she said, how in the world, how in the world did you raise such a beautiful flower in such a shabby rundown place? She said, I made sure that the flower was always in the sunlight. You can't dwell in darkness and produce holy fruit. You've got to make sure. Terry's got to make sure for Terry. And Vicky's got to make sure for... And I've got to make sure for Gene that I abide in his word and in the love of God. And then notice abundant joy, verse 11. Abundant joy, verse 11. Abundant joy, verse 11. 
full joy, lasting joy, eternal joy, lingering joy. When things ain't going good, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. When the wife don't cook, at least joy in that McDonald's still has a number two. And you can supersize it with clear conscience when you're mad at the wife. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Be careful now. Will you do this? Be careful. Because we're all prone to wonder. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart and seal it. Father, our courts above.